Merry Christmas once again, Bridge family. For those of you in the Coffeehouse venue, those of you in Columbia, hey, we're one church in two locations, and our Columbia campus is jumping in with us right now. Can we welcome our Columbia campus right now? Good morning, Columbia. Glad you guys are here. Uh, man, uh, so what I want to do today is we're going to open God's Word, and I want us to look at uh, Luke chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and grab them and turn there. And just real briefly, I want to ask just one question of this text that actually has already been read over us. We sang about it just a few minutes ago, and I want to ask one question of the text. Let me read it, and then I'm going to ask the question of it. I want us to think about it together, okay? Just real quick, here's the text. Luke 2, verses 13 and 14. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace among those with whom he's pleased. All right, so that's a very familiar text if you've been around church at all, maybe even if you haven't. Just this time of the year, you've probably heard that, 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 those verses of Scripture. I want to ask one question of it, and it's this. The angel said, Glory to God in the highest. The question is, why would they say that? Because literally what that phrase means is that this is the moment that gives God the most high praise. It's, it's whatever is happening right at that moment that they're announcing that, that makes God worthy of deserving the highest praise. Not just praise, but literally like the highest praise of anything else that they had seen. And so it's, it's really important for us to think about what all the angels have seen. And actually, when you think about what all the angels have seen, uh, it makes that announcement even more spectacular. Because the angels were there in creation, right? I mean, they saw, they were onlookers as God spoke and with his words created worlds, right? Uh, the angels were onlookers as God, with just the sound of his voice, lit up the cosmos, uh, they were there as God um, formed mountains into mountains majestically, right? They, they were there. They were, they were observers of all of those things. Um, they were there as God literally flung millions of stars into the universe. Uh, think about this for just a second. Astronomers tell us that there are three million trillion stars in the cosmos. Three million trillion, like not just three million not just three million, uh, three trillion, but three million trillion. All right, let me let me just put that in context for just a second. A a million seconds ago, a million seconds ago is twelve days ago. Okay, a, a billion seconds ago is April nineteen eighty seven. How many of you were born after April nineteen eighty seven? After April nineteen eighty seven. That's that's a long time. That's a billion seconds ago. All right, a tri- how long ago do you think a trillion seconds is? A trillion seconds ago is 33,000 years ago, all right? And so what astronomers tell us is that there aren't just a trillion stars in the cosmos, or a billion or a million. There are actually three million trillion stars in the cosmos. That's a lot of stars. Uh, what scientists tell us is that just one of those stars, our, our sun... It's with this, which is actually one of the smallest of all of the stars in the cosmos, produces enough energy in one second to power our entire civilization for 500,000 years every second. And the angels had watched as God literally placed each one of those incredibly powerful things in the sky, all three million trillion of them. The angels had seen all of that. 
They had, they had watched as God formed a man from the dust of the earth and breathed life into him, and he became a living being. They had, they had seen all of those things, and yet it was this moment that they said, this is the moment that declares that God is deserving of not just praise, but the highest praise, higher than any of those other things. It's this moment where a simple carpenter and a teenage girl no more than 15 years old were holding a baby with only animals as onlookers. It was that moment that caused God to deserve the highest praise. The question is, why? The question is, why? And the answer is that in that moment, what God was doing is God was fulfilling a promise that he himself had made thousands of years before that, okay? So what happened is, as the story goes, um, God had created everything in what theologians call shalom. That's a, a word that just means peace. God had created everything the way it was supposed to be. Everything was beautiful and perfect and rhythmic. And mankind walked with God. They had peace with God. In fact, the Bible says that man walked with God in the cool of the day. You know, like they just hung out together. Mankind had peace with God and everything was as it was supposed to be. And it was amazing. Shalom is is the theological word. Um, But that lasted, if you're not familiar with the Bible, that lasted all of two chapters, Genesis 1 and 2. And then you get to Genesis chapter 3, and what happens is mankind basically says, I'd rather be God myself. I'd rather have the world revolve around me. And so tempted by the enemy, our first parents, desiring to be like God themselves, rebel against God. And what happens is everything in their hearts And everything in the cosmos, the shalom that God had created everything to operate in, now is fractured and broken. And and the reality is that we, like our first parents, follow in their footsteps, desiring for everything in our lives to revolve around us. We do. We just do that, right? Uh, I heard this story um, a few years ago. In fact, my dad told me this story about this little boy named Tommy, who really wanted a bike for Christmas. And so he went to his mom and he said, hey, mom, I'd like to have a bike for Christmas. Can I, can I have a bike for Christmas? And she said, you know, man, you haven't really been a good boy this year. Like you, you've disobeyed us. Your grades are not real good. You never clean your room. Like you haven't been a good boy. I'm not sure that you're going to get a bike for Christmas. And so Tommy was like, you know what? I'm just going to skip mom. I'm going to skip Santa altogether. I'm going straight to God and I'm going to pray. And I, because my Sunday school teacher told me that the prayer works. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask God to give me the bike. And so Tommy goes up to his room, and he sits down. And while he sits down to begin to pray, he recognizes a prayer journal that he had sitting on his his desk that his Sunday school teacher had given him. So he grabs his prayer journal out, and he begins to write in his prayer journal, Dear God, I've been a good boy for six months now. I'd really like to have a bike for Christmas. Will you give me a bike for Christmas? And he realizes, man, that's... That's not really true. Six months, I hadn't been a good boy in six months. So he wads it up, tears the page out, throws it in the garbage, and he starts to write again. Dear God, I've been a good boy for about two months now. Please send a bike for Christmas. No, that's not true either. So he wads it up, throws it away. Dear God, I've been a good boy for about a week and a half. Will you please send the bike? That's not true either. So he tears it out, wads it up, throws it away. So he, he has an idea. He, he's, he runs downstairs, puts his journal down, runs downstairs, out the door, across the street, into the neighbor's yard. And he grabs the little plastic Mary from the nativity set that the old guy across the street has, unplugs it, brings it across the street, through the yard, through the kitchen, up the stairs, and sits Mary at the end of his bed. And then he sits down in his prayer journal and starts to write again. Dear God, 
I've got your mama. If you ever want to see her again, send the bike, right? (laughs) We're all like Tommy, aren't we? Like, we all try to manipulate the circumstances around us to get what we want. We just do that. That's the condition of our hearts. We all, like our first parents and like Tommy, will even manipulate people around us and use people to get what we want. We all have that thing in our hearts that desires to be like God. And because we all have that thing going on in our hearts, every uh, tragedy in our world, all the chaos, all the conflict, all the competition that's in our world is there because all of us are operating from that perspective. We all kind of want to be like God. And so because of that, shalom is completely fractured and broken and things are not like they're supposed to be. And so it's in the middle of that tragedy that God breaks on the scene. In Genesis 3.15, after all of that enters into the world, and God breaks on the scene, and he declares this incredible promise that now several thousand years later, the angels at at announcing the birth of Jesus are celebrating. And here's the promise. The promise is, God said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. You're like, what is that? What does that mean? How is that a promise? What does that even mean? This is what God's doing. God's speaking to the enemy here, to Satan. And he's saying, I'm going to send an offspring, a male offspring. I'm going to send a son who will injure himself. But in injuring himself, he will deliver a fatal blow to the enemy. And in doing so, what he'll do is he'll make a way that in spite of our rebellion against him and in spite of the fractures that it caused, he'll make a way for us to have peace with God again in our hearts. That is... What theologians call, that's what theologians call the first gospel. The Latin word actually that theologians use is proto-evangelium. First gospel. God himself in the midst of the brokenness in the world. Literally a chapter, actually a few verses after everything broke. God promises us that he's going to send Jesus. And so now the angels are celebrating in this moment, not because it's just a baby that's there and that's cool and so we get to have presents around Christmas time, but because the promise that God had made several thousand years before is now becoming a reality in Jesus. And the truth is that Jesus would not just stay in that manger, but he would grow up and and, and live a perfect life and go to the cross where he would make a way for us to have peace, to have shalom in our hearts again, peace with God again. And Bridge family, that is good news. That's good news. And that's good news that deserves not just a little praise, not even just a lot of praise, but that is good news that deserves the highest praise, the highest praise. Jesus has come. And so the angels, so the angels say, Glory to God in the high, to God be the highest praise. The one who can bring shalom in our hearts is here. He's here. Now, it's no accident that this message came to the shepherds. Because if you know anything about shepherds in that day, what you know is that shepherds were literally the outcasts of society. They weren't just the out, they were the outcasts of the outcasts. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. In fact, if you were a shepherd, it was a total life fail for you. Uh, Shepherds were so much outcasts that they weren't allowed in the temple complex. Shepherds were so much outcast that their um, witness was not admissible in court. In fact, to be a shepherd most often was a job that was given to children. And so if you were a shepherd as an adult, your life was a total fail, right? 
And, and, um, and so it's, it's in the middle of that failedness that those shepherds feel. Not feeling like their life was awesome. That the announcement of the Messiah came. And Briggs family, maybe you're here today and maybe you're even here for the first time or you're here, you know, just visiting family and maybe you just kind of can identify with the shepherds and you'd say, man, my life in 2018 has not been awesome. Maybe 2018 was the year that you thought would be incredible because it would be the year that somebody who was not in your life might come back into your life. But that hasn't happened. Maybe you thought like, like this is the year my relationship with my children is going to be reconciled. But, but it hasn't been. In fact, it's gotten worse. Maybe you thought that this would be the year that like, um, man, the habit that's just been kind of pestering me, that I, finally I'll kick it. But you haven't been able to. In fact, it's gotten worse, and now it's about to destroy your life. Maybe this is the year you thought you'd lose 15 pounds and you only have 20 more to go, right? And maybe, <laughs> may, maybe this is the year for you that like you got the diagnosis that you dreaded. Maybe this is the year for you that, um, that someone that you thought you'd have in your life for years is not here with you anymore. See, see, maybe you lay awake at night, staring at your ceiling, just looking for a moment of peace. And the fact that the message of the Messiah came to the shepherds tells us that you, those who are hurting and broken and desiring peace, just some moment of peace, you are the ones that God wanted to hear the message the most. The most. And what the Bible teaches is that if you will receive Jesus, this Messiah, this Savior, if you receive Jesus by faith, you can have shalom, peace, restored in your heart. And this is why the rest of that verse, glory to God in the highest, the rest of those verses would say, and peace on earth, peace, shalom, Peace among those with whom he's pleased. Now, here's what the angel's not saying. The angel is not saying that if you do enough good things that God will somehow be pleased with you and then give you peace. That's not at all what the angels are saying. That's what every other religion in the world teaches. But that's not Christianity. The, the Jesus of the Bible does not require that of us. If Christmas teaches us anything... It's that while other religions say we have to work our way up to God, Christianity says that we have a God who came down for us in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of our brokenness, to offer us shalom. And if you'll receive him by faith, you can have peace in your heart again, in spite of what's going on all around you. And this is why Paul would say in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so Christmas is about us recognizing that Messiah came to bring peace. And so Bridge family, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And the angel's declaration to us is that, that, that greater than the power of the Son is the power of the gospel to bring peace to a life that's been busted up. And Jesus can do that for you today. And so I want to give you an opportunity for that. So can we bow together? Let's bow our heads together all across the room. In the coffeehouse venue, nobody's looking around. Columbia, nobody's looking around. 
And if you'd say, look, the, the circumstances of my life are chaos. I don't have anything but shalom in my heart. Anything but. Listen, the Bible doesn't promise that, that if we receive Jesus by faith, all the stuff around us goes away. But we do have peace in our hearts. We can through Jesus. And so you can receive that by faith today but by praying a simple prayer. And we're about to do that together. And the prayer that we're going to pray, like it's not magical words. It's not, you know, you have to get it all the right way. It's not, not any of that kind of stuff. It's, it's simply you expressing your desire for Jesus to bring peace in your heart. And you can just say it in your own words or you can just say a prayer kind of like the one I'm about to pray. You can just pray it after me just in the quietness of your heart. And if you pray it, God will respond. He will. He'll respond. So just in the quietness of your heart, you can pray something like this. Dear God, dear God, I know that I've sinned. And I know that that's broken my relationship with you. And God, I don't have peace in my heart. But I recognize that Jesus came so that I can. And he went to the cross so that I can have peace. So I recognize Jesus as my Savior. God, would you forgive me of my sinfulness? I commit my life to live for you. God, would you bring peace in my heart? In Jesus' name, thank you for saving me. Now, still with your heads bowed and eyes closed, we just believe that something solidifies in you spiritually when you respond physically. And so we're not going to embarrass you. We would never, ever, ever do that. But just with everybody's head bows, heads bowed and eyes closed, what I want to ask you to do is in just a moment, I just want you to slip your hand up just so I can, I can see and know who I'm praying for and we can celebrate with you and those of you who are committing your life to Christ and who prayed that prayer just now. Or maybe, you, uh, you, you didn't, you, you, maybe you're not even going to lift your hand up, but just in your heart you know you've prayed that prayer. I would encourage you, just lift your hand up here in just a moment. I'm going to count to three. You lift your hand up if you prayed that prayer in your heart for the first time or just to clear any doubts. One, God loves you. Two, you came here for a reason. And three, right now, nobody looking around, just lift your hand up. If you prayed that prayer, nobody's looking around except for me. All across the room, hands are going up. All across the room. Anybody else? Lift your hand up right now. Here, Columbia, Coffee House venue, all across the room. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.